All right, I am back. Yesterday we had kind of a quick overview of the game, as well as an offensive breakdown. Big focus on O-line quarterbacks, as you would imagine. Totally makes sense. This one's going to be more defense, but I'm going to throw you a little curveball and start with the special teams. Um, Chris Boswell missed a long kick. I don't care. He'll be fine. No worries. Um, Nick Skiba made one. Great. Showcase him. Help the, help the young pup out. Maybe he lands somewhere. Great. But I want to talk about Presley Harvin the third. Some nice punts. But you had, you know, after the the, uh, the safety, you just got a real feel for what this guy can do with Boom in the football. And behind the scenes, some people told me that they're just enamored with his physical talent. And that's why you use a draft pick on a punter, because he can be different than the others. And in practice, the last couple ones at Latrobe, at St. Vincent's, were remarkable. I mean, it was a punting clinic of power, hang time, length, boomers. I mean, time after time. And usually special teams practice time at, at St. Vincent's is when people get up and use the bathroom or Dale and I on the air kind of go a different direction. And some of the other regulars get a little water or practice a little something on the side. Got to the point where the punt when it was punt time, let's all watch Harvin. Like it was, you know, it, like it was a spectacle. And even the fans got it and oohed and odd. And the ball just makes a different noise coming off his foot. Now, can he stay on course mentally and stability and reliability and durability and all those things? We shall see. But he has a chance to be a difference maker from the punter position. And I think it's safe to say that this team isn't going to beat people by 20 week after week. They're going to have to win in the margins, field position, special teams, things like that that only don't always you know show up big for your fantasy team or on the, the stat sheets at first blush. So a guy like Harvin and Boswell, if they can be one of the better batteries in the league, which I fully expect them to be, that's a small advantage that could help the Steelers win two more games than they should. Or, you know, I mean, we have a lot of close games this league. Um, start with the big people. Cam Hayward didn't play good. Um, he tweaked something at camp a couple days ago. Uh, I was very impressed with Ogan Joby. I, I thought Ogan Joby and Liao were the best or most impressive of the big people in this game. Um, you see the explosion. Both those guys have first step quickness. Uh, Ogan Joby's obviously a lot more refined and played against better people. But he can play the run. He can make stuff happen in the backfield. He can absorb double teams. Liao's a little more of a slasher, but especially late in the game, you saw his talent against lesser players, which is exactly what you want, flashing. Um, the rest of the group was fine, not tremendous. I'm going to spend more time, though, on the outside linebackers, the edge guys. Watt was Watt. I mean, the, the one of the very few plays that they didn't double him, he got a sack. Got out of the game. Great. Handles the double teams and is still disruptive when they double him. Uh, I honestly think he might be setting up for even a better season than last year. I know that sounds bonkers. Highsmith didn't play. It'd be nice to see him a little before the the, the you know the, the opener, but the rest of the group is bad. Well, Gerard Avery isn't bad. Gerard Avery is a certain type of player who's a little undersized. I think he gets exposed the more snaps he plays. He can be stout, but he's not 
Uh, he's not James Harrison is a short guy that is just an anchor on the line. The last two games, I've seen the outside linebackers get washed out in the run game too much and offer very little as a pass rush. But Avery's a keeper for me. Um, I, I think he's a certain type player, though. I keep describing him as a, a curveball, a changeup, not an every down, time and time again player. He's like a satellite running back that only catches passes. You know what I mean? Like, use him the right way. Don't overuse him, and I think you'll be fine. Tuska isn't really an NFL outside linebacker. I mean, and near the other guys, I know there was some buzz about 50, Delonte Scott. Not seeing it, I don't see a natural bender. He plays too high. He's too lean in his lower half. Uh, Tuska has special teams traits, but I don't know that the, he's a great special teamer. This absolutely be an area I am looking for somebody outside the organization. And even if they're not a special team contributor, you know, the Justin Houston Ingram types, I think that they have enough, enough special teamers in this group that they could get away with that. So I don't know that's a prerequisite. I would rather just find a professional that's been around the block that has some sack production in their career. That is a solid edge defender that wouldn't be asked to do a ton. Uh, I think that's missing right now, especially with Highsmith out of the equation. You're just counting on Highsmith and Watt to play every snap and never get hurt and mix in a little Avery, but even TJ takes himself out of games at times and few guys at that position take the punishment he does or have to deal with more to get to the quarterback. So that's an area of concern with me with depth. I don't have any feel for Highsmith one way or another of late. You know, is he improving? Is he not? That I'm not certain of, but boy, they could use him back in the fold, which I assume will be the case. But um, not a bad group, a bad day overall from the front five. Not exceptional, but I, you know, I, I thought it was good enough, basically. Um, let's take a quick break and then we will talk about the off the ball linebackers in secondary. Sears defense was on the field a lot more than the offense in this game, but I still think the offense is more of the story. Um, so we'll be back here. Now. Jack versus old team. Let's see, he had a little something extra there. I have no reservations about him. Thank the Lord, Miles Jack is on this team because imagine where this position group would be without him. I think he will be very much a stabilizing force. I think you're going to see more big nickel with three safeties on the field. I think you're going to see more dime. You know, you're going to see five man fronts with Jack as the only true off the ball linebacker. There's other ways around it, but you know they're still searching for that number two. I think Bush has not shown up in a positive way enough in camp or games, but to think that there's a competition between him and Spillane to me is nuts, and I know Spillane ended up with a lot of tackles, even a splash player too, which you better do when you're on the field that much at that position, and that's my concern with Bush is where's the splash plays been? You know, where, where's the play where you go, oh, I remember that guy, you know, chasing someone down from across the field. 
But I didn't think Bush was bad in this game at all. I don't think Spillane is close to the player Bush is, and that's not even a compliment to Bush. I just don't think Spillane can be on the field on defense or he will get picked on. I mean, I've told you guys this before. When he's on the field at camp, especially like in like a seven-on-seven situation, if the quarterbacks want an early one in an easy completion, they throw to him. You know, I mean, if, if McFarland's on him, if tight end, if Hayward's on him, t- or uh, Spillane loses that repeatedly. Buddy Johnson, it's kind of like the same thing I said about Bush. I mean, this guy plays, but he never shows up. I mean, you would never know he's on the field unless you really isolate and study him. And for that position behind a pretty good D line, that's not good enough. And that's worrisome to me where Mark Robinson is the opposite. I'm not sure Mark Robinson knows what he's doing yet, but he's an explosive athletic guy that covers a lot of ground and shows up all the time. Once in a while, bad, mostly good splash plays. And Bush and Johnson can't say that. I mean, there's no splash from your inside linebackers in a defense that's designed for splash from your inside linebackers that you protect with big people. Robinson looks like he's providing that. You know, I've been told he hasn't been a linebacker long. He's a running back convert recently, still really learning the game. Cool. Well, there might be something there is all I'm going to say. Safeties, we saw a little bit of Minka. Uh, I loved, they asked me actually in the pregame show, what are some scheme changes we might see on defense? And I mentioned the use of Minka could be different. And early in the game, you see Minka blitzing and being down by the line of scrimmage. I I think with KZ being here, which is a great addition, opens up a lot more avenues for Minka to affect the game. But Minka's Minka, he's great. Um, KZ keeps making plays week after week. Versatility, tough, can play deep middle, which allows Minka to do more things. And I know Edmonds has kind of lived in the doghouse here. It still amazes me. Guys like Rudolph and Harvin and back to Bud Dupree, certainly Bush. They get in the they get in the Steeler Nation doghouse and they never leave. Edmonds is never gonna be Troy Palomalu, folks, but he is a solid player that is making a lot of plays near the line of scrimmage. Um, highly versatile. Uh, I, I tweeted out something after Durbin James signed about James and Edmonds were used in the greatest variety of ways of any safeties in the league last year. Slot, box, deep, all the different things asked of safeties is what they asked of Edmonds, much like Derwin James. Derwin James is better, folks. That's not what I mean. But again, I think he's going to be a facsimile replacement for your second you know, inside linebacker, you know, he's going to play more and more in the box. He was participating in backs versus backers in camp, even though he's not a back or a backer. Um, so that tells me they're planning on using him in that fashion, just to more, you know, a higher degree. Um, how about the corners? Justin Lane made a play. I guess that's good. Um, overall, I thought they were fine. Again, I want to give, I guess this was last podcast. I want to give Trevor Lawrence some, you know, some props here as well, as well as Christian Kirk. He's really got a good understanding now of weaknesses in defense, setting up receivers, picking on off coverage or not so great coverage. And I really don't have a big worry about Sutton, Witherspoon, Wallace. And collectively, I thought the secondary played quite well. 
Norwood wasn't quite his best game, even though I thought he was, you know, he, I think he's a keeper and I was impressed in game one with him. But this kind of is what it is with, you know, the, the secondary that I think high-end quarterbacks that Lawrence is becoming in the process of becoming will pick on these cornerbacks and get consistent yardage. Um, it doesn't mean they'll shred them for 400 yards and it'll be a huge weakness of the team. That's not exactly what I mean. I mean, when Cam and Ogunjobi are pushing the pocket and you're doubling Watt and everything's clicking or even you're only missing a guy or two on defense, I think these corners will be just fine. Um, unlike O-line, I don't look at the corner room and say, boy, these are a lot of hope and wait and sees and, you know, I, and that the offseason is going to be all about new corners. I don't see it that way. Sure, it'd be great to have a stud back there, but I don't think it's required with the way that this team is built, especially with an ample pass rush and Jack in the middle kind of solidifying things. So overall, I was cool with the defense. Um, again, Lawrence is a dangerous young man. He held this team to pretty good point total. Um, hot, muggy day. I think that needs to be mentioned too, that I mean, playing all these snaps in the heat is more taxing than you think at this stage of the of you know the, the NFL season. And situationally, they were very strong when they needed to be. You know, red zone, goal line area, third downs all in all, takeaway here and there, big play here and there, a batted pass here and there. So um, again, just like the, the case with the offense and really sums up the whole game was Jacksonville play, play in and play out was the better football team, but the Steelers kind of won in the margins and with good situation of football. And I understand that Jacksonville was first had the first pick in the draft last year, so that doesn't look overwhelmingly important, but they played all their guys. It's early, it's hot, and I don't think that they are a bottom-of-the-league garbage team. One of my favorite bets of the year is Jacksonville to win the AFC South at plus 700. It pays off well. I'm just throwing that out there. But overall, I thought this game will be mostly defined by sloppiness on both sides. There was a lot of stretches that just looked and felt like preseason football. And, of course, I think the storylines are Pickett, but the quarterbacks as a whole. And the O-line, I mean, just the O-line was really, really bad. And it's the last thing you wanted to see. You just wanted to see a step forward from the O-line. Didn't get it. And as a result, you know, just going back to the defense, they're on the field an awful lot in the heat. Um, not my excuses. These are just, you know, observations. So I guess that's a wrap for now. Um, I'm thinking the Wednesday podcast will be when I have more time to really dig into four or five nuggets from the game that were standout situations when I really start to work on my article or whatever as well. Um, not That's to be determined. That's just my early thoughts here, but wanted to get these ones to you quickly. Uh, that's a wrap. Shoot me a note uh, in the comments section or at Williamson NFL on Twitter. If you have any comments or suggestions, I am all ears always. And as usual, it has been a blast, folks. Take care.